Hi, my name is Jim Bareford, and I donate to Where There's Smoke every month. I figured rather than spend $10 a month or so on a premium Spotify account, I'd rather give it to people who are sharing with me, who are teaching me, who are guiding me uh, to explore uh, different avenues, again, creatively that I wanted to do. And so I'd love it if you would consider joining me and others over at supportwts.com and pledging. Thanks. All right. Well, I suppose if we're going to do a show on focus, launching off of single tasking day, I better confirm the date. Feb 21st, wait, Feb 24th, Feb 18th, Feb 23rd. What the heck? That's like five different dates. Oh, look, it's also Diesel Engine Day, National Dog Biscuit Day, Spay Day. I bet that makes Bob Barker happy. Is Bob Barker still alive? Oh, look at that. He is. Good for him. Uh, okay, so anyway, back to the date. All right, so let's see. It looks like it's a different date every year. I wonder when it started. Uh, it looks like the earliest reference is in 2000 and the 2009 Weird and Wacky Holiday Marketing Guide, written by a woman named Ginger Carter Marks. Hmm. Leave your message for Ginger Mark. Hey, Ginger. My name is Brett Guida. I am with uh, Where There's Smoke, which is a radio and podcast show. And I just wanted to kind of pick your brain and ask you a couple of questions because, interestingly enough, the earliest reference we can find to single tasking day is actually in your 2009 guide. And so get back to me if you've got a few minutes, and I uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much. I lost you. Oh, did you? That was weird. Yeah. Well, he got you back now. <laughs> so I was just kind of curious about, you know, if you're aware of single tasking day, if you remember how you found it, if you did create it, <laughs> how do you find these days? Because there's obviously tons in your book. I finally discovered this definitive source called Chase's Calendar of Events. So it so happens that single tasking day is a real day, a real holiday, that a lady named Teresa Gabriel came up with. Hi. Hello. I'm, I'm so excited to be talking to you. <laughs> when did you create the, the day? I don't remember the actual year, but it was probably about... 2003 or so, I was actually starting a women's travel group, and one of the suggestions is to create a day that will pull, pull everybody information back to your organization. Okay. And my travel company went by the wayside after about three years. However, single tasking day. I could tell by the reaction I was getting that it was important, so I just keep it going. Um, Brett? Uh, Nick? I'm not trying to, like, interrupt or question your process, but do you see what's happening right now? Yeah, man. I'm, like, totally getting to the bottom of this whole single-tasking day thing. I mean, I think Where There's Smoke's going to win a Peabody for in-depth journalism here, dude. 
Okay, but uh, do you think that's the best usage of your time right now, Brett? Uh, duh. I mean, what are you getting at? Okay, well, this episode is on focus and... Oh, okay, okay, I get it. You're right, you're right. I should be focusing on writing the script. There it is. Okay, got it. Thanks for bringing me back, man. No problem. That's why I'm here. But, but Nick, what, one more thing. I kind of learned something here that might interest you. Can we play that last bit of audio of my call with Teresa? Okay, but we have to keep it short. We've got to get to the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real quick, I promise. Like, what did you end up actually having to do to make this a day? There's some books out there about how to get free prom- publicity without spending money. And one, okay. in, one of them is to create this, this a day. And so you get a hold of Chase and you create a day. It's that simple. And what do they require from you? Is there, is there anything they um, require to make it a, a day? It's just a one piece of paper that tells what the day is, contact information, and what day you want. Brett, oh my God, we have to make a day. I know, right? <laughs> what could it be about? I know. The first thing I thought when I heard that is we've got to make a day. We, maybe we could like link all of our like, shows when super together. listened. Empathy. Something. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. This week, we're talking about focus. We explore multitasking, single-tasking, and many of the ways our minds get distracted and distressed. Also, we speak with cognitive neuroscientist Dr. Sandra Bond Chapman about the physical and emotional costs of multitasking. My name is Brett Gaida, and I am your host. If you asked me the last time I did a thing and just did it and wasn't also trying to do something else, I wouldn't be able to tell you. What? Hmm, nope. Thought I had it. That was James Hamblin, MD, health editor at The Atlantic. That audio is from his video called Single Tasking is the New Multitasking. And while the title is probably grossly inaccurate, the video is fantastic. It made sense to bring it up because today, well, the day we are releasing this, February 23rd, 2016, is Single Tasking Day. Yes, I did get to the bottom of that mystery. Now, it is also Curling is Cool Day, but despite my Canadian roots, we will not be discussing the sportsmanship of burning the stone on today's show, and no one's got the hammer. What we do have is an ever-increasing flow of information overload. Here is Manoush Zamarodi, host of the WNYC show and podcast, Note to Self. Information overload is not something new. It has been dated to the 13th century. But what is new is the pace. The average American adult now consumes 12 hours of media a day. And while this information in and of itself is passive, The way most of us experience it makes it anything but that. Whether we are driven by FOMO, that's the fear of missing out, or curiosity or fear or wonder, we get pulled by all this information that surrounds us. It seems to demand our mental and emotional bandwidth. In 1971, Nobel laureate and social scientist Herbert Simon wrote, 
In an information-rich world, the wealth of information means a dearth of something else, a scarcity of whatever it is that information consumes. And what it consumes, according to Simon, is our attention. In our wealth of information, we create a poverty of attention. That was in 1971. Today, I think we can clearly see how our attention spans have been maxed out. And somewhere along the way, we decided the only way to keep up was to do more than one thing at a time. To multitask, of course, genius. I mean, if I do four things at once, I'll be four times more productive, right? Brilliant, brilliant. Only the problem was, and still is, that the word multitask, along with the concepts, comes from the computer realm. Specifically, the word's first use was in 1965, describing the capabilities of the IBM System 360 computer and its ability to process several tasks or computer jobs concurrently. Which is, you know, something that computers do. Humans, however, are not computers. Here is Teresa Gabriel, creator of Single Tasking Day. One thing I have heard more recently is that what happens to your brain when you multitask is you're doing something that computers do. And co computers, they task switch. They can't do two things at once. They go from one thing to another. So if we try to do that, we're actually doing in our brain on purpose what happens when people start to get Alzheimer's. Wow. You, you start being scattered. It just can't be healthy. This strategy of multitasking hasn't quite panned out the way we wanted. By now you have surely heard that multitasking is a myth and that humans are incapable of being focused on more than one thing at a time. Now before you say something like, wait a minute, Brett, I was just walking and chewing bubble gum the other day. Well, let's get a couple of things straight. First off, it is not that humans are incapable of doing two things at the same time. It is that your mind is incapable of being focused on two things at the same time. So sure, you may be talking on the phone while you are driving and thinking you're multitasking. But the truth is your attention is toggling back and forth between driving and talking. And brain scans show that when you talk on the phone, there is limited activation of your visual brain, suggesting that you are driving without really watching. You are basically driving blind. Secondly, let's be clear about the kinds of tasks we are talking about here. We are talking about tasks that require focus, deliberate thinking, as our guest later in the show, Dr. Chapman labels it, deeper level thinking. So yes, you can chew bubblegum and walk at the same time, but researching next week's presentation while listening to a team conference call, not so much. I mean, you're probably multitasking while you're listening to this very podcast. And in that toggling, you just missed the best part. We all need work in this area. And most of us need a lot of it. So even though many of us know that multitasking is bad for us, understanding a concept is very different than actually implementing it. Most smokers know that cigarettes are bad for you, despite what some ads tell us. Yes, according to this repeated nationwide survey, more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. 
And as we'll hear later in the show, multitasking is to the brain like cigarettes are to your lungs. It's a habit we have to break. Consciously slowing down life's pace and savoring your time rather than tracking it are two goals of the slow movement. In fact, that's what Teresa Gabriel was referencing when she created Single Tasking Day. See? I knew that research would come in handy. And so I think the first place to focus our lens with regards to single tasking is to consider the pace at which we live and how often we are attempting to be in more than one place at a time, but that in those attempts to be everywhere, we end up not being anywhere. The research firm Statistic Brain claims that the average human attention span in 2000 was 12 seconds. And in 2015, that number had dropped to 8.25 seconds. To put that in perspective, the average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. Now to break another myth here, attention span and memory are very different. And goldfish can in fact remember things up to five months, which means when they are swimming around that little bowl you dropped them in, they feel a whole lot like the Griswolds in European vacation. <laughs> it's amazing, I cannot get left. There's Big Ben kids, Parliament. <laughs> but I digress. I don't know. <laughs> so our minds wander. A lot. <laughs> and sometimes all that wandering can cause us to get lost. I mean, have you ever opened your computer to find a single piece of information and then 20 minutes later realize you're down an internet rabbit hole and you don't even remember what you were actually looking for in the first place? Or have you ever run into a room to grab something and then something else catches your eye and within seconds you have no idea what you walked in for? These are examples of losing our train of thought, getting distracted. Sometimes these distractions are external. A text, phone call, sports update. Sometimes they are internal, a random idea, thought, a worry, a grumble in your stomach. Whatever the distraction, when it comes to the impact on your focus and productivity, all distractions bring an equal cost. 23 minutes and 15 seconds to be exact. That is Gloria Marks, professor of informatics on a recent episode of Note to Self. And the 23 minutes and 15 seconds she is talking about is how long it takes for someone to get back to their initial focus and productivity once they are interrupted. A research study at Michigan State University showed that a 2.8 second interruption, just 2.8 seconds? doubled the amount of errors made when the test subjects returned to their original task. And with a 4.4 second interruption, the error rate quadrupled. Additionally, If you're doing this continually throughout the day, you know, there are cumulative effects. And people report feeling burnt out, they feel exhausted. And if being unproductive, error-prone, burnt out, and exhausted weren't enough, it might be costing us our happiness too. In his 2011 TEDx talk, Want to Be Happier? Stay in the Moment, researcher Matt Killingsworth finds a link between this mind-wandering and our very happiness. As it turns out, people are substantially less happy when their minds are wandering than when they're not. As it turns out, people are less happy when they're mind-wandering no matter what they're doing. For example, 
people don't really like commuting to work very much, it's one of their least enjoyable activities, and yet they are substantially happier when they're focused only on their commute than when their mind is going off to something else. Going back to James Hamlin's words at the top of the show, when was the last time you did just one thing? How many things are you doing right now while listening to this show? Years ago, I learned the Pomodoro Technique, which is a method of time and focus management where you work in 25-minute intervals. 25 minutes on, fully focused on one thing, then a five-minute break, then 25 minutes on again, then a five-minute break. And then after three to four rounds, you take a longer break of 15 to 30 minutes. Having used this technique on and off over the years, I committed to use it in the entire process of researching and writing this script. And let me tell you, one, it really helped. But two, it was really hard. And there are so many distractions both around us and within us. And even through a combination of strategy and willpower, we can really only hope to minimize them. It's not that dissimilar from the process of meditation and the Herculean task of staying focused on your breathing and just letting your thoughts go. When we come back after the break, we're going to speak to Dr. Sandra Bond Chapman, founder and chief director of the Center for Brain Health at the University of Texas. And we're going to dive into some of the science around multitasking and single tasking and try to understand why we hold on to this myth of the value of multitasking. Because honestly, the costs are staggering. Oh, thanks, Brett. That's the kind of informative and entertaining content that you can only find here on Where There's Smoke. Hi, everybody. This is Nick Jaworski, and I'm speaking with you from the epicenter of the Where There's Smoke offices, which are totally real and totally not just a bunch of sounds I threw together to make this sound real. Currently, we are in the midst of our WTS fundraising drive, and I know, nobody likes having to stop listening to their favorite program and hear someone yammer on about how they need help, but we do need your help. Now, each episode of Where There's Smoke takes a ton of time to write, produce, edit, and market. We aim to put out such a high-quality product that we are constantly compared to podcasts who have complete full-time staffs of over a dozen people. So each donation from you makes it that much easier for Brett and I to keep prioritizing the show over other life obligations, because life is expensive. If we could, we would do this show full-time, and we're not asking for that level of support from you, but just know that the more we can bundle together from you, our listeners, the more we can commit to producing high-quality episodes of WTS. Fortunately, we have thousands of listeners around the world who love the show, and we love you, Unfortunately, only 46 of you have visited supportwts.com and given us a donation. We'd love to have you help us bump that number up. We believe that $5 a month, $10 a month truly isn't that much in exchange for new content that you love. If you don't believe us, then don't take our word for it. Hi, my name is Dustin Harder of the Vegan Roadie web series, and I donate to the Where There's Smoke podcast every month 
Um, you know, I live in New York. I spend five bucks on coffee once or twice a week, and it's always just like it's not even a thought. It just happens. And I thought rather than get that cup of coffee, I can get more out of an episode of where there's smoke than I can get out of that caffeine sometimes. You know what I mean? So I gave them, I gave five bucks in exchange, you know, to give that New York minute with my cup of coffee up. Thank you, Dustin, AKA the vegan roadie. In honor of Dustin, we have renamed our $5 support level to the I gave up a cup of coffee a month club. So if you can give up that one cup of overly priced coffee, then let us know by visiting supportwts.com and donating. Do it right now. Operators are standing by. Thanks. I'm Dr. Sandy Chapman. I study brain resilience and regeneration. So what can you do today to make your brain stronger and last longer? Dr. Sandra Bond Chapman is a cognitive neuroscientist with more than 40 funded research grants and 150 publications. She is the founder and chief director of the Center for Brain Health at the University of Texas and the author of Make Your Brain Smarter, Increase Your Creativity, Energy, and Focus. The book, in her words, condenses 30 years of research into tips on how to rev up your brain's performance at any age. Now at this point, I feel like a lot of people understand that multitasking doesn't work. It's a myth, it's inefficient. And yet as a whole, either everyone knows this and is choosing to ignore it, or most people still just don't know it. I asked Dr. Chapman what her thoughts are. I think people do, do not know it. That in fact, when I say it, and I think that they just think it's a brain scientist saying, just like, or like a nutritionist saying, don't eat red meat. Like, yeah, right. I love red meat. I'm going to eat it. That multitasking is something that uh, has become in vogue to say no. So I, I don't find people realizing really not only why you can't multitask literally and what, why it's so toxic for your brain. Now let's just be clear here for those of you who might think, as Dr. Chapman puts it, that it's in vogue to trash on multitasking. The case against multitasking is built on facts and it is irrefutable. This is not a celebrity claiming to be a doctor or a doctor claiming to be a doctor. Today, big news, I'm announcing my biggest weight loss program to date. It's been a year in the making. The Total 10 Rapid Weight Loss Plan. This is scientific fact. Your brain is not designed to focus on more than one thing at a time. Now, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we are talking about tasks that require some level of conscious focus, or as Dr. Chapman describes it, a deeper level of thinking. It's something that requires what I call deeper level thinking, some type of concerted mental effort. Yeah, you can do two things simultaneously, one without requiring, but if there's two things, that's why like driving and talking on your cell phone, hopefully you've got your mind on where you're driving and when you're on the cell phone, uh, that you're actually engaged in the conversation. I mean, I think it's really apparent to us when we drive and talk on our cell phone how we sometimes end up home and we don't really know how we even got there. We just ended up there. Um, or when something, a car almost goes out in front of you or you almost ran a red light when you were on the phone. You're like, oh my God, I almost missed that, that you realize I wasn't really watching. 
you're literally uh, blinded because you're talking on the phone. So, so it's two things that require concerted effort. In order for your brain to actively manage two things simultaneously, it is toggling back and forth from one task to the other. Specifically, this toggling is taking place in your brain's frontal lobes, which Dr. Chapman calls the smartest engine of your brain. And in 2010, Etienne Kochlin from the French National Institute for Health and Medical Research co-authored a study that showed when faced with two tasks, the brain divides the tasks between two sides of the frontal cortex. In essence, it divides and conquers. And so with two tasks, we are operating with split efficiency. But on more than two, we're toast. We are not able to keep in mind more than two tasks while also switching back and forth between them. Look, I don't think it serves us to candy coat this. So let's be blunt and use the title of a Wall Street Journal article from over a decade ago. Multitasking makes you stupid. And by you, I mean you, me, all of us. Stupid, stupid, stupid. In his book, Your Brain at Work, David Rock references a study done at the University of London, which found that constant emailing and text messaging reduces mental capacity by an average of 10 points on an IQ test, five points for women and 15 points for men. This would be the similar effect of missing a night's sleep. For men, it's about three times more than the effects of smoking marijuana. So for many of you, by about 10 a.m., after a couple of hours of emails and texts, you're totally baked, man. Listen, listen up. That was my skull. I'm so wasted. David goes on to discuss Harold Pashler's studies on dual-task interference, summarizing that when people do two cognitive tasks at once, their cognitive capacity can drop from that of a Harvard MBA. But Eric said to me, Mitt, there are two types of leaders. One is the kind of leader to that, that the particular of an eight-year-old. Because there's, because it says no bad guys, and so no bad guys could come in that town. Note here. I realized that I may have just indirectly called eight-year-olds stupid. Eight was actually my favorite age as a kid, and I would like to go on record as saying that eight-year-olds rule whatever their cognitive capacity may be. Okay, so now we know that multitasking comes with a cost in impacts to your efficiency and your overall performance. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. What's more alarming is what multitasking does to our health. The reason why it's so toxic is that by doing this, it's actually increasing cortisol, which is the stress hormone that you hear when people have, you know, completely wiped out stress symptoms. That's increased cortisol. People that are chronic multitaskers, we see high levels of stress cortisol in the brain. And the reason cortisol is so toxic is it pours almost like if you could think acid on your brain's memory system, the hippocampus. So it's, you know, affecting your memory system with this cortisol. 
that's uh, being wired. The third area that's really impactful is your immune system is uh, impaired with chronic multitasking so that people have more sick days when they're multitasking. As I say, multitasking is to the brain like cigarettes are to your lungs. If we summarize not only what we have discussed here, but some of the other studies out there, there is a body of scientific evidence which demonstrates fairly conclusively that multitasking makes human beings less productive, less creative, more error-prone, and more tired. It also increases your stress, negatively impacts your memory, damages your decision-making, makes you prone to depression, hinders your sleep, impairs your immune system, and basically eats your brain. On the flip side, I asked Dr. Chapman about the benefits of single-tasking. And while it includes all of the opposites of the perils of multitasking, it is also so much more than that. When people are single-taskers, they not only can seek, see more clearly to discern, they can make decisions faster, they're much more innovative, you have lots more aha moments, your capacity to transform the way you think about any project when you're single-tasking is exponentially better. Single-mindedness, you hear that, but single-tasking, when your brain is really kind of super focused for a short period of time, you can achieve the impossible. It speeds up the amount of time that you do something. So you do things faster, deeper, more innovatively, less errors, and you can you develop better insight into your performance when you do single tasking. And it, the big payoff is what we show in the brain is that you increase your brain blood flow in a very healthy way so you regain neural health. So it's like using your brain in a way that builds stronger physical brain changes stronger whether you're 30, 50 or 70. So basically, single-tasking is awesome. So my question then is, why do we all keep multitasking? If we know it's bad for us, why do we insist on continuing to do it? I mean, people seem to want to hold on to it. I seem to want to hold on to it when all it is doing is kicking our ass. Uh, yeah, that one. So if we keep doing this, then we must get something from multitasking. But what? Multitasking became part of the best job description that any corporation could ask for. I mean, there rarely was a job description that didn't say you've got to be good at multitasking. And people, when they interviewed, said you've got to tell them you're really... So this idea that multitasking is almost a marathon for the brain that if I can multitask and I can do it really well, then I am a super brain hero. It's like the Olympiads for brain is someone that can multitask. Surprise, surprise. We created this monster. A study by the Families and Work Institute in New York said that some 45% of U.S. workers feel they are asked or expected to work on too many tasks at once. We've made multitasking a badge of honor, 
and people have bought into it. It reminds me of how people talk about sleep. We have similar evidence around the negative effects of not getting enough sleep, and yet people still walk around boasting about how much they hustle and how little they sleep, saying things like, huh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Bragging about multitasking or not sleeping is the equivalent of boasting that you never work out and you only eat junk food. And I get that when you have 17 tabs open on your computer while listening in on a conference call and drafting four emails all while filing your nails, I get that it feels like you are being more efficient. But you are not. And it is physically, emotionally, and mentally eating away at you. Why, what are you, stupid? What's the matter with you? I apologize. What's the matter with you? Sorry. What the f*** is the matter with you? Look, going back to our episode on influence, we are just telling you a bunch of stuff here. This is just verbal persuasion, and that's rarely effective. So you need to experience this. Right now, multitasking has you chasing the dragon. The reward mechanism in your brain releases dopamine when you multitask, and that dopamine rush makes you feel so good. It makes you believe that you're being effective, and it becomes addictive. But you know what? Single tasking is a better drug. But we're back to that chicken and egg dilemma from our willpower episode. So we need to create experiences of single tasking that will feed that other dragon that will chip away at our multitasking addictions. As I mentioned in Act 1, I decided to really focus on single tasking while I was researching and writing this episode. You know, usually I turn off my notifications and I put my phone on airplane mode, but that doesn't stop my internal interruptions. And I think they are the nastiest of all. And so firing up the Pomodoro app on my phone and forcing myself into these 25-minute episodes of focus, it was liberating, as structure often is. And it was very effective. And it wasn't just forcing myself to focus for 25 minutes that helped. It was also forcing myself to take those five-minute breaks, just stopping, even when I felt like I was on a roll, knowing that my mind needed that breather. Actually, if the other thing that your brain loves is quiet time. So if you work really hard for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, if you will let your brain step back, be quiet, reset, and come back to it 10 minutes later, 5 minutes later, you will have this whole fresh outlook and maybe say, God, I can't believe I wrote that stinks, or why did that come out? But your brain actually, interval, needs a quiet time in between, and it doesn't take that long. That's why, you know, when there's meetings, I say any meeting over 30 minutes is pretty much a lot of wasted time. People can stay on task, keep your brain focused, energized for 30 minutes after that. You've lost them. They're in their own mind, multitasking where they are going next. They're not listening. So that's why... When people are having a meeting and you take a bathroom break and people come back and all of a sudden the best ideas come out, and I'm like, what was in the bathroom? I'll be honest. I don't know what was in the bathroom, but I know it worked. 
And it occurs to me that multitasking is trying to destroy everything that we are working to create. Look back on past Where There's Smoke episodes, on concepts we are all working to advance. Creativity, observation, listening, happiness, success, stillness, quality, all great concepts. And multitasking, it wants to destroy them. Well, not on our watch. Did you know that the peak brain age right now is about 42 years old? And that most people are living half of their lives with their brain in a state of decline. Do you want that to be you? Are we going to stand by while multitasking tries to take from us everything that we hold dear, everything that we have worked for, everything this podcast stands for? Oh no, not on our watch. So I am asking right here, right now, it is time for you to give the best that you got. Your brain matters. You deserve this. We deserve this. Get her done. Clear eyes, single task, can't lose. Or, you know, just try to do one thing at a time. I want to thank Dr. Sandy Chapman for taking the time to have a conversation with me. If you want to learn more about how you can rev up your brain at any age, I encourage you to pick up her book, Make Your Brain Smarter, Increase Your Creativity, Energy, and Focus. There are also a couple of TED Talks that you can find online, and you can schedule a brain health physical at their Center for Brain Health in Dallas, Texas. I already told Dr. Chapman I will make a trip this year, and when I do, I'll let you guys know how old my brain is. So if you are close to Dallas, or gonna be in Dallas, or wanna make a special trip to Dallas for this reason, find more information on their website at www.brainhealth.utdallas.edu. Also, thanks to Ginger Marks for helping me to find the creator of Single Tasking Day. Ginger publishes the Weird and Wacky Holiday Marketing Guide every year, and she shared with me that the 2016 guide hit number one for all marketing books on Amazon this year. Go to www.holidaymarketingguide.com to get the book and for more information. And last, but certainly not least, to Teresa Gabriel, the creator of Single Tasking Day. Here is how I thanked her on our call. Well, I want to thank you because I, I think it's, you know, this, this thing that, you, you know, you did 13 years ago and, you know, whatever the initial reason was, it's grown into something. And I think it, it's a big issue. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this show on it if it wasn't for the day. So just because of that day, we're going to do this show. Because of this show, thousands of people are going to hear some of the statistics and realities. And maybe a few people out there will try to single task more. And it's all because of, a, you know, a, a seemingly small decision you made in 2003 that's grown into something. So I, I, I think that's amazing. If you want to talk to Teresa about single tasking day, you can email her at tree.gabriel at gmail.com. That's T-R-E-E dot G-A-B-R-I-E-L at gmail.com.
Special shout out to our new premier patron supporter, HCMA Architecture and Design in Vancouver. They share many of our values, believing that curiosity and conversation can result in built environments that delight and inspire. And supporting our show is part of that belief in action. A few other new Patreon explorers we'd love to say mucho gracias to Richard Band, Heather Pierce, Sergei Acuna, Andrea Bennell, and everyone who has chosen to support the show financially each month. Thank you. Also, big love to all the listeners I got to meet when I was back in San Francisco two weeks ago. From one-on-one coffees to an awesome meetup, it was a blast. Next month, I'll be in Miami, Washington, D.C., and St. Louis. If you're in any of those towns or close and you want to meet up, reach out. I am just crazy enough to do it. It's been four weeks since I did shout-outs, so I'm going to do my best to give props to as many as I can here. For the iTunes reviews, thank you Zulfi Tapia in India, Enkanad, Bidyut, Inves, Avalon Jones from Canada, Ibrianic, Simply Sergio, Shadowcat, and the iTunes moniker of the week, Irish Rhino. For spreading the word on Twitter, thank you Billy Poggy, Harry T. Dyer, at KCAGogo, Nishad Gwarov, Jordan Sachs, at that Christiane, Kyle J. Smith, and to Stephanie Stutter for the thumbs up, and congrats to Patrick Keller for finishing his WTS marathon with no signs of long-term injuries. We finally got some help! Thank you to Dylan Davis, our new volunteer research assistant. Now we have enough time to shower. Outside of Dylan's support, Where There's Smoke is multitask, single-task, focused on, refocused on, written, research, compiled, edited, and surrendered to its listening audience by me, Brett Gaida, and Nick Jaworski. The theme song was written and recorded by Des McKinney and remixed by Nick Jaworski. And Nick, what other musical artists were featured in this show? This week's artists include Ketza, Kai Engel, Poddington Bear, Blue Dot Sessions, Jazar, James Joshua Otto, Mads, and of course, Kevin McLeod. Interested in having me work with your company or speak at an event? Email me at brett at wherethersmoke.co. And if you want to help making your podcast sound awesome, check out Nick's company at podcastmonster.com. You can join our mailing list in two ways. Text the word SMOKE to 66866 or go to our website, wherethersmoke.co. While on the site, you can also leave us a voicemail. Have a request for a future topic? Want to tell us what you dig about Where There's Smoke or just give us a little pick-me-up? Leave it in a voicemail. And as we end today's show, I recognize that though the show is ending, the multitasking battle has just begun. So I leave you with some final words of inspiration from Coach Taylor himself. This game is not over. This battle is not over. So let's hear it one more time. Together. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go! Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next week.